0: week two of a seven-week series called let's talk about questions jesus asked Uh, the gospels in the bible record jesus asking a lot of questions actually someone counted and thought it was 339 questions jeff actually went through the gospel of john and wrote down every single question jesus asked in that gospel and it was i think over a hundred so questions uh, have you noticed all the different kinds of questions that exist in our world? Um, what are you having for lunch today? How is life going this summer? What's up? What is the purpose of your life anyway? Do you like grape jelly? Are you a morning person? Do you remember your first boyfriend or your first kiss? Questions? No. uh, uh questions do you believe in god do you believe in ufo's are you voting for uh, joe biden or don trump donald trump questions have different purposes don't they sometimes questions are meant to start an argument sometimes questions are meant to gather facts sometimes they're to bring out deep feelings sometimes they're rhetorical we return from a uh, uh, couple weeks vacation, a week of it spent with our family in a house in uh, Virginia. And uh, it was a big house, 18 of us in the house. Um, It it was incredibly fun. Family vacations are fun and hectic and chaotic. And and I listened for the questions that my grandkids, uh, we have nine grandkids, eight were with us, seven of those eight were teenagers. And so I listened, what kind of questions do they ask? When are we getting out the ice cream? uh what are we doing today what's the plan can we go now can we not go with you why do I have to and just these past days we've had what we call camp cousin which is our grandkids all coming to town and spending uh two and a half days with their grandparents you know us and uh each night before we uh broke out the snacks and the movie uh I gave a time for them to ask each other or us questions, and my youngest granddaughter, on the last night, she's nine years old, she said, Grandpa, I have a question for you. How annoyed did you get with some of us (laughs) these days? I thought, for a nine-year-old, that's a pretty good question. Grandpa, how annoyed? Now, I'm not giving the answer. Some (laughs) questions are incredibly heavy, right? And some are more flippant. Um, what about the Cubs? Flippant. Will you marry me? Significant. Is it time for hospice? Serious. The one question I want us to focus on today that Jesus asked, it's kind of a unique question because here's what, a couple of things unique about it. One, he answers it before he asks it. Then he asks it and he answers it again. And it's in uh, John chapter 13, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 5 to 17, and we're going to go through that and see this question. So uh, let's begin with verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin. This is Jesus. This is before, on the night before he's going to be arrested. He poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay? Okay. Um, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And then verse 7. Jesus replied. Now, here's the answer to the question. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You don't get it yet, Peter. Okay. Okay. Jesus answers the question. Let's go on to verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Let's go to the next. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Verse 10 Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. He was talking about Judas. And verse 11. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, here comes the question. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Okay, now. He just washed their feet. He gets back. I think he takes a breath. I think he looks at the faces of the disciples who are like going, what just happened? And then here's his question. Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? Now, remember verse seven, he already said, no, you don't get it. You're not going to get it. And um, he says, do you understand what I've done for you? And I think that's his question for us today, maybe for the rest of the summer. Do you get what Jesus has actually done for you? And now he answers it. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. Uh, Verse 13, yeah, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have said you an example that you should do what i have done for you do you get what i've done no let me tell you what i've done i've like flipped the world on its head very true verse 16 very truly i tell you no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him now that you know these things you are blessed if you do them so why did jesus do it Why did he pick up a towel and get on his knees and wash these filthy, dirty feet? Why didn't he just, uh, like everyone else did, have a servant come and do it? Or ask, point at one of the disciples and say, hey, guys, why do not you do it? Why did the Son of God get on his knees and wash filthy feet? Why? He was flipping leadership and lordship and godship on its head he was giving a picture of how in this moment the world was to change you see up until this time all worldwide history masters kings lords rabbis were to be served the way it was supposed to work is if you had power people served you and if you didn't have power you served people and jesus said no this is not the way of the kingdom The way of the kingdom, now you're not going to get it yet, but the way of the kingdom is the more power you have, the more you serve others. Jesus is the son of God, and he's on his knees washing filthy feet. And he's saying, do you understand? I've flipped leadership. You own a company. You lead a family. You're an influencer in your neighborhood. That gives you power. And what do you do with that power? You serve others. That's what you do with it. You're a captain on a college football team. What do you do with that power? You serve others. Jesus said, I'm flipping the way the world works. Servanthood is redefined. Humility is redefined in this moment. Do you understand what I've done for you? Now there's, in a few hours, they're going to see it in spades. Even deeper, when he allows himself to be put on a cross and he dies for them. This is the gospel. Do you understand what I've done for you? And so then I think maybe he asks us that today. Do you actually get what I've done for you? And the the answer is obviously not, not fully. Because if you actually got what Jesus has done for you, you would be 100% grateful 100% of the time. And I look in my heart, and I'm not 100% grateful 100% of the time. So that means I don't always get it. What has Jesus done for us? Jesus has uh, saved us. And that saved, that term salvation, means changed, healed, and saved. Changed, healed, and saved. Now, theologians, I like to read about theologians, but I, I don't track with them that well. They use big words. I don't always get those big words, but uh, they're good at compartmentalizing, and they have this thing when it comes to grace and God's gifts. It's called common grace, and that is the grace that every human being on the planet gets because they were created in the image of God. So every human who's ever been born gets God's common grace, okay? So what are the gifts God gives every human? Well, breath, life a beautiful day today in Cedar Falls. Every human gets these incredible gifts, common grace God has done for all of us. And if we simply understood just common grace, we would fall down in gratefulness to God. Every breath you take, the amazing body you woke up in this morning, um, common grace God gives all human beings. According to the Bible, Uh, It's undeserved. It's freely given. God, in his own goodness, gave us these gifts and creation. Oh, my goodness, creation. I don't know if you had your eyes open on your drive over this morning or some of you maybe walked over this morning. What an incredible, beautiful morning. Great temperature. The sun was shining. The flowers are out. The grass is green. I mean, incredible. This is one of the reasons Lynn and I, for years, have always prioritized vacations. Because you get up in the mountains, or like we did a week ago, walk in the uh, ocean waves, um, whatever it is you're doing, somehow the beauty of nature comes through in a new way that I don't always get in my backyard, right? I've uh, finished a book recently called Proof of Heaven. It's by a brain surgeon, Eben Alexander, highly trained. Uh, he was a surgeon for the Harvard Medical School in Boston for 15 years. And then all of a sudden, he got E. coli bacteria meningitis, and he had a near-death experience. And as a brain surgeon, he always had an explanation for near, near, uh, near-death experiences. He thought, it's just your mind doing chemical things, So these people who see these bright tunnels or think they see God or have this experience with some loved one that died, he always thought it's just brain chemistry is all it is. And he wasn't a believer. But when he got this bacterial meningitis, his brain on the machine actually stopped all chemical action. And yet he was having this near-death experience in what he now thinks is heaven. And uh, it's an incredible book. And he came back from that, which is a miracle of itself, and now he has left brain surgery, neurosurgery, in order to just tell people, hey, you have a soul. And your soul goes on after your brain dies. I've been wrong my whole life. One of the things that was so interesting Uh, For me about his near-death experience. Well, there's a couple one is he said in heaven. He experienced incredible communication without words No words Because he said words are so inept at Communicating what's in my heart? And he said so one of the things then the other thing he realized was how beautiful nature was and uh, as a brain surgeon Uh, We have, he understands this far better than I do, a reticular activating system, which simply um, pushes out of the way uh, details that might cause you problems. So every day you get up, and you walk out into your backyard, and uh, you have to push out of the way most of the beauty in order to take the step down off your porch. Because if you couldn't push out of the way the beauty of nature, you would be driving into things. You would be falling down. And he's saying what he's come to understand now as a brain surgeon is most of the beauty of nature, the depth of the beauty of it, your brain blocks out so that you can survive. And when he got in heaven, he looked around at the same nature we have, and it was incredible. Incredible common grace. People get it. We get to um, uh, see it and know it. Then theologians have this other thing. It's called special grace. And it's grace for those who choose to follow Jesus. And it's incredible. Um, We can understand that we are fully known. God knows everything about us. And yet, He loves us so much. What a gift. I've shared with teenagers for years. One day you'll look into the eyes of Jesus and you'll understand he totally knows everything you've ever done to the depth of knowing and he loves you at the same time. Look into those eyes. Look into those eyes. That's what you and I get to do. And... As followers of Jesus, he gives us a fresh start every morning. I wrecked yesterday. I, like, didn't live the way he wanted me to yesterday again. 73 years of not living yesterday the way he wanted me to. But this morning, he says, Dave, a new day. Come and live it. I forgive you for yesterday. There were some good moments you better today, right? That's who God is. That's our gift of special grace. Deep, unconditional love. Fresh start every day. Sins forgiven. Guilt gone. My goodness. If I got that, I would live different. If I remembered it, I would live different. Theologians have these categories of this special grace but I can't pronounce the words and I don't actually know what they mean but they have four categories of these special gifts. Basically they expand and categorize this idea. But here's a verse Ephesians 2:8 for it is by grace you've been saved. Saved, healed, loved, promised heaven. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us to a holy. I, I, uh, I translate this, this use of holy to different. He has called us to a different kind of life, a set-apart life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 2 Timothy. Do you know what I've done for you? Do you know what I promised you? Do you know how much I love you? Do you understand how fully you're forgiven? As far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've separated from your sin. Some people, I think, are called by God or believe they're called by God to critique and criticize the church and in our day and in the Bible days I believe some people were called to be prophets and their primary purpose um, somehow they believe or it might be true um, is to uh, stand outside the church and like Say things about the church. And um, that happens in every local congregation. It happens in every metro area with the church. And uh, I've been thinking about that quite a bit because as online communication happens more and more and more, um, uh, someone like me reads a bit of that. It's like the church is falling down here, the church is falling down here, the church. The church that I've been leading and giving my resources to for all these years uh, fails true we don't get what he did for us and we don't live that way all the time but here's what i figured out on vacation my call is just the opposite of that i'm called to be inside of the church and pointing out what's going well and what you all of us are doing that pleases jesus yes I failed yesterday. I've been failing yesterday for 73 years. God also used some of what I did yesterday, Use some of what you did yesterday, right? And I'm called to point that out, to point out the brave and the kind and the sacrificing kinds of things that people inside the church do. I was just watching the band this morning. They got up early, earlier than they would have if they weren't in the band, I'll tell you that. And they came, and they had a good attitude on the stage as they practiced. And then back in the room, we prayed, and we talked. And uh, Jeff asked a question, and the drummer told him where he's going to college in the fall and all this. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I saw two of the old guys, sorry guys, (laughs) come early to be greeting at the doors out here. Stan and Bob. That's beautiful. I saw the children's ministry people. Welcoming kids. Beautiful. Do you understand what I've done for you? And if you do, you'll live this way. I love the pictures of God at work within the church, of us being better than we would be without Jesus. I'm better than I would be without Jesus. I may not be as good as my neighbors. I'm probably not as good as most of you, but I'm better than I would be without Jesus. Do you know what he's done for you? Common grace, special grace. And it's overwhelming that you and I get the privilege of paying this grace forward in how we love our friends and our neighbors and our families and even our enemies. We get to pay it forward. Uh, Somebody said, it's the middle of the summer. We've got half the summer left. Maybe you could like take the second half of the summer and just focus on the question. Do I get what he's done for me and could I make a list? Could I like think about it? Could I... Be thankful and grateful for it. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to say some words about communion. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the good gifts that you give to every human being, common grace. And thank you for the special gifts that you give to those of us who have given all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you and have chosen to follow Jesus. Thank you that you forgive us and you uh, erase guilt and shame. Thank you that you um, commit yourself to be present with us, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, on and on and on, all the good gifts that we have every single day, every single day. Thank you that we get to worship you together and even alone in nature. Thank you that you have made yourself known to us. And Father, could this communion time be a um, really special, a deep, a deep moment, please? In Jesus' name, amen.